Hello, everyone. My name is Andrew Cron. It's a privilege to share with you the CCS Spotlight on the Next Generation. The Spotlight on the Next Generation is an innovative series of videos and podcasts that feature five early career Canadian cardiology specialists having a conversation with global cardiovascular leaders. With this initiative, we're hoping to foster this back and forth dialogue between our future leaders and some of the giants in cardiology. Each of these will be a five to 10 minute conversation that will cover emerging diagnostic and therapeutic areas in a variety of fields, including heart failure, interventional cardiology, cardiac surgery, cardio-oncology, and preventive cardiology. I hope you enjoy them. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Mark Rowell. I'm the incoming president of the Canadian Cardiovascular Society. And today it is my distinct honor and pleasure to welcome you to this CCS focus on the cardiovascular leaders of tomorrow. Uh, it is my great pleasure to introduce to you our uh, speaker for today, who needs no introduction. Her name is Donna May Kimilarjuk. And uh, Donna, uh, as many of you may know, is a young cardiac surgeon who incidentally was trained in Ottawa and now is completing her uh, advanced cardiac surgery fellowship at the Cleveland Clinic Foundation in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, we're very, very proud of Donna. She was uh, one of our trainees. She visited us first as a medical student in Ottawa and then spent six very fruitful years uh, at the Ottawa Heart Institute and the University of Ottawa and learned her art, science, and trade, as I like to say, of cardiac surgery and now uh, continues to impress. Uh, and I know this off and offhand from my colleagues and friends at the Cleveland Clinic uh, through her new uh, fellowship uh, development in very advanced cardiac surgery, who also incidentally, uh, as you may know, is, I believe, the first uh, Inuk cardiac surgeon uh, to have uh, graduated from a Canadian institution. Uh, Donna, welcome to this podcast. Thank you so much for the really kind introduction, and it's really lovely to see you uh, you know, since I, I left Ottawa four months ago and um, uh, with COVID, you know, haven't been able to see many people from back home. So it's really a pleasure. We miss you a lot, Donna. You had promised <laughs> that you would come back to visit. So what happened? It must be this close thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 How are things in Cleveland? it's great. It's, I mean, it's busy. Um, it's, it's, it's the Cleveland clinic, but I absolutely love it here. It's a really special place. It reminds me a lot of Ottawa, um, you know, really special, fantastic caring people here all the way from the staff surgeons to co-fellows to nursing to support staff. Um, it's really, really fantastic. Donna, we have about 10 minutes to chat together today. And I know there'll be a lot of interest around what you have to say and the unique perspective that you bring uh, to the cardiovascular leaders of tomorrow, not only for Canada, but I would say globally as well. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your, your background, uh, where you come from, and what drove you to engage into studying medicine, and even more specifically, cardiac surgery? Absolutely. Um, so as you pointed out, I'm Inuk. Inuk is a singular word for Inuit. Uh, and my family is originally from a small community in Nunavut called Chesterfield Inlet. Um, and so I lived up there for a brief period of time when I was a young infant, but um, my parents relocated to Ottawa uh, solely for the purpose to provide their kids with better educational opportunities. So Ottawa really has been my home. 
Um, and I come from a family where on my mother's side, no one had completed post-secondary education. Uh, my father was the first to do so on his side. So needless to say, no one in my family was, was in medicine. Um, but I felt inspired to be, become a doctor and rather a surgeon um, by hearing that my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, had died of the disease uh, ALS. And so that was my motivation since I was uh, about six years old, um, where I felt I had to help people, that this would be my calling. And that continued all the way through childhood, teenage years, young adulthood. And uh, when it came to learning about the heart in medical school, I just, I fell in love with it. I loved the physiology. Um, I just was so fascinated and interested in it. I loved studying it. So it felt like it was the right sign that, okay, I should explore this more. And uh, I watched some surgeries in Calgary and I actually emailed you out of the blue as a young medical student asking if I could come watch you in the operating rooms in Ottawa. And you were so very kind and, and welcoming and said, yes, come spend time with us. Come see what we do. And um, I realized now I, I didn't understand a lot of what was going on then, but I just, I was so intrigued. I was so fascinated. I loved it. And I just, it felt in my heart and in my gut that um, I, I should be a cardiac surgeon. This is meant for me. This is how I'm going to help people. And, and you did pretty well. I still remember a little wink to all trainees in cardiovascular sciences and medicine. Uh, I think our first paper together, you, you wrote in a couple of weeks or so, and I had a draft back in my email box very quickly, and it was extremely uh, well perfected. There was not a lot to add, and it got published. So kudos to that, and that was really uh, a very positive um, kind of introduction to what was about to follow it. And certainly you've done extremely well and we're very proud of you. Now, Donna, this background obviously brings a unique perspective to you. And uh, you've chosen an extremely specialized field and one which one may argue doesn't have a huge degree of penetration in Northern communities, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's very likely that there's under service with regards to providing cardiac surgery services, both with regards to valve disease, which must be more, more prevalent in northern communities than it is in major urban centers, and coronary artery disease. And even today in 2020, what are your thoughts with regards to, to that and the type of therapy and their availability to northern communities in Canada? So. I absolutely agree with you that um, Northern communities, I think, are underserviced in terms of uh, treatment that's offered, but it even goes back to starting with diagnoses. So you can imagine if I have family members in a community that's fly-in only, where many weeks of the year you can't fly in or out because there might be blizzards or there's mechanical issues, I, I feel that contributes hugely to either misdiagnoses or diagnosing diseases at more advanced stages. And so maybe they have worse coronary artery disease if they, you know, than if they had been diagnosed earlier or uh, very severe valvular disease. Um, so there, there definitely, I think, is an issue with making the diagnoses. And then when it comes to treatment, it's, uh, it's difficult to then fly a person down from the north. You separate them from their family for many weeks at a time, especially if they have to undergo open heart surgery and they need to stay nearby for follow-up or if they have major complications and their recovery is prolonged and delayed. 
so you have a person alone in a city that they don't know, separated from family, um, that poses a lot of challenges to the patient and also in being able to deliver good care. How do you follow up with someone if they have a chronic problem and they live 3,000 kilometers away in the, in the Arctic? Uh, it's, it's challenging. With regards to the science, I mean, you're obviously very involved in academics in developing the field, uh, especially considering, you know, that you're still quite young and, and just becoming essentially a cardiac surgeon. Uh, but you've seen many, many of the novel, innovative aspects of cardiac surgery. And in your view, in your perspective, what are the challenges that are being faced by what we can offer to underserviced society uh, populations, right, in Canada and globally. Like, are we myth in thinking that, you know, for instance, uh, multivessel bypass surgery using arteriographs, sternotomy, etc., is well adapted to a population that may be two, three thousand kilometers away, and that perhaps there are other approaches that may be more adapted to their need because we procedural people I, I always repeat we we tend to focus maybe a little bit too much on believing that the procedure we offer is a solution for the patient and sometimes mm -hmm. it's not right there's many mm -hmm. other dynamics that have to be considered what are your thoughts around that absolutely so um i remember you saying this at some point in residency and and i, I don't know if i'm getting the quote exactly right or paraphrasing but uh, when talking about, for example, revascularization and looking at cabbage versus PCI and um, talking about how we can improve not just, well, I guess cabbage, but all coronary surgery is make it safer and make it less invasive. And that absolutely applies for when you're treating patients, I think, that are very remote um, uh, and far away. Because if we want to be able to get these patients in from the north, we have to ensure that we make this procedure as safe as possible, but giving them the best outcome possible is the most, the most durable outcome so that they can have a smooth recovery and get back home easily. We're not worried about major issues or complications in follow-up and make it less invasive. So the recovery is faster. So they're not stuck down south for weeks at a time, separated from their family and they can get back home and get back to doing activities that they like. And so, you know, um, I was very fortunate to train with you and, and uh, Dr. Glenner, who do, you know, uh, minimally invasive coronary surgery. Um, and that, I think, is an emerging field in, in revascularization surgery. How can we make it less invasive and give the patients great benefit of a, you know, leaded LED graph? How can we train more surgeons to do multivessel small thoracotomy bypasses like you do? Because uh, it's obviously possible and feasible. So if we have surgeons who can offer that, I think that's fantastic. And in terms of valvular heart disease, I mean, catheter-based approaches are kind of this new wave coming in. And so maybe maybe that is a more attractive option for, for treating patients who live remotely or you might not be able to follow up with because um, it's a small groin incision or poke as opposed to a big sternotomy and, you know, they're up in mobile a lot faster. So. Um, the, the new technologies, I think, are going to just be really beneficial for populations like mine, where, where my family's from. No, no, this is great. Very uh, important and, and 
valuable perspective. I'd like to finish with a last question relating your personal context and background and what you're doing now and your advanced studies as to where you think uh, you'll land, where the eagle will be landing in five, 10 years. And obviously right now you're doing kind of everything, right? You, you're very involved in clinical innovation, uh, top-notch surgery, education, research uh, at some point. And also you have a huge societal role that I certainly did not have when I was at your stage. And there's a whole nation that's mm -hmm. looking at you and, and you, you're on multiple forums across the country and, and likely beyond. Uh, where is this going to decant itself? What do you want to do as a cardiovascular leader of tomorrow? Where do you see uh, your focus and your biggest impact in five years? I realize that's a bit of a difficult question to answer now, but it's, it must be one that uh, you question yourself about often. Oh, absolutely. So I kind of have, I kind of divided into two uh, answers or two things. I kind of have my clinical or operative um, focus, I'd say, and then my broader clinical focus. And so as, as a surgeon in the OR, I mean, I, I love coronary surgery. Um, I really do envision myself being uh, a coronary surgeon. Uh, and so I'd love to focus on that. And one focus I have here at the clinic is learning how to do myectomies with which is a really niche, very cool surgery. Um, and I've been working more and more with the mitral valve surgeons, so I, I'm really starting to enjoy that. But really coronaries and myectomies, I think, will be my two strong niches. Um, but in terms of broader kind of clinical goals or, or, or um, what I see myself doing is really focusing on uh, cardiovascular health in women and Indigenous populations because we know that we don't know enough about their health and we know that off or, or we do know at least though that outcomes are not as good in women and indigenous populations when it comes to surgery when it comes to heart failure when it comes to uh heart attacks and and just overall cardiovascular care so um given that i'm a woman and indigenous i feel like i can really uh relate to and understand those populations and hopefully uh improve research and care and uh care equity to those populations and why is that in your opinion? Is it that women are more stoic? Is it that they, uh, there's less research and less applicability of the science to them? Is it because they're always spending their time uh, helping others, uh, perhaps more than their gender counterpart might be? Uh, that might be a bit stereotypical or is it a combination of all the, of the above and how does it relate to northern communities how different would it be than it would be on south in southern canada for instance well you really uh, hit kind of all the topics it's it's really multifactorial um you know surveys have been sent out and and questionnaires asking women you know well why don't you seek care when you're experiencing chest pains or, or palpitations or what have you and and um, a lot of it has to deal with the pressures of taking care of the family uh, or women might experience symptoms differently than, than men and what's um, stereotypically described as chest pain or heart attack pain or palpitations so women kind of push it off thinking it's nothing um and also that women are completely under research compared to men so we don't know uh how they do with you know treatments that that men 
do well with because women just haven't been included in the studies as much. Uh, and so if you extrapolate that to uh, families back home up north, I think um, there often can be even more emphasis on the, the mother, or the, the matriarch that's really taking care of the family and really is the, the rock of the family. And, you know, you can't necessarily separate her from the family for weeks at a time um, or take one of the parents out of the picture where, you know, they're not getting income for the time that they're in hospital down south for many weeks. So I think it just uh, up north, any difficulties that women experience, period, in Canada or the inequities are just amplified up north. Well, Donna, this was really uh, fascinating. Thank you for your insights. It's uh, very refreshing to me and, uh, and also um, extremely opposite, I think, to, to hear your, your thoughts, especially as the CCS, you may know, will be engaging in a more societal role uh, pertaining to Canadian cardiovascular care disparities. So uh, thank you for allowing us to exchange uh, this evening. And uh, thank you all for watching this podcast, whatever time of the day that you're watching it at. And, and Donna, you know, our, our division, the Heart Institute, uh, we're very proud of you. And I know the CCS is as well, and, and Canada is as well. And I hear more and more that the Cleveland Clinic is uh, also. So uh, congratulations <laughs> and, and uh, keep on working hard like, like you do. And uh, thanks for all you do. Thank you so much. Thank you.